the Psalms part two. Last week, song book. On your notes there, you see there's a couple of statements from last week's message. Psalms are a song book so that the Psalms are really poems that were intended to be sung to stringed instruments. So a poet, writers wrote the Psalms. Artists. Now artists have their own way of looking at things. And each artist has his or her own way of looking at things. So there's more than one view of something when you get a bunch of artists together. God chose by his Holy Spirit to use these particular writers, poets, artists to record the Psalms. The next two statements there go together. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So when we look at the Old Testament, in the Psalms, we're looking at a revelation of God through an artist. God chose this way. But the Psalms, just like the rest of the Old Testament, are not the complete revelation of God. We don't get the complete revelation until Jesus comes. Because Jesus is the complete revelation of God. He said, you want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. You don't want to know what the Father would say? Listen to me. The Father and I are one. So when we look at Psalms, just like the rest of the Old Testament, we've got to be careful, especially in the Psalms written by these artists, we're not going to get a lot of doctrine out of there. We're going to get a revelation of who God is. I remember saying some other message a while ago, we often make a mistake with the Ten Commandments as what we hope would be a list of things that we can do and be right with God. That's not what the Ten Commandments are for. They are not a revelation of how to do something and be right with God. There's no way to do something and be right with God. The Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, are a revelation of who God is. The Old Testament, just like the New Covenant, is a written testimony of who God is. It's not trying to tell us what to do to be good. Because we can't. So whenever we look at Scripture, we need to be looking for a revelation of who God is. Everything else flows out of that. We don't have to worry about being good. All we have to do is be right with God and love God. Concentrate on our relationship with God. Love Him deeply. Know how much He loves us. And everything that we're supposed to do will flow out of that. So when we're looking at the Psalms, we've got to be careful. The Gospel message of Jesus is all about the Kingdom of God. The whole Gospel message is about the Kingdom. It's the first thing that Jesus preached, the kingdom of God. A man was sent to get ready for Jesus. Guess what he said? 
The same exact thing Jesus said when Jesus started his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Those are the exact same words that Jesus used when he started his ministry. It's all about the kingdom. But again, we have to be careful. It's not how to be a good citizen of the kingdom. It's not how to do right and be in the kingdom. It's not how to earn the right to be in the kingdom. We want to know about the kingdom because... Ready? We want to know the king. When we know the king of the kingdom, we will be right in the kingdom. We want to know about the kingdom so that we know the king of the kingdom. Who is he? Start right at the beginning. Who is the king of the kingdom? Calls himself by his word, king of kings, lord of lords, mighty God, etc., etc. Who is he? If that's who he is, how does he think? I want to know about how does this guy think? What's in his mind? Can I really get to know the king of the kingdom? Me? Knowing a king intimately? What's his view of me? He wants to know me? Little old me, citizen of his kingdom? Can this kind of king be trusted? Gee, I've never seen our earthly king be trusted like that. But we don't want to look at our King of Kings and Lord of Lords through the eyes of the earth. No, it's supposed to be the other way around. So, we're looking at the Psalms, written by artists, knowing that they're trying to reveal to us their view of God. And God okayed this view because he put it in Scripture by his Holy Spirit. So we're looking at the Psalms to get a revelation of who God is so that we know him intimately. And of course, we're supposed to be singing it. Why is song, music so important? It's in the heart of God. It's part of who he is. The mathematical ingenuity of music, if you look at it closely, is unbelievable. I remember before I got hearing aids, we have a clock in our living room. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. I put on my hearing aids, and the first time I heard the clock, pow! All of the overtones came back. I don't know if you know what overtones are. When you play a C, other notes are ringing at the same time the C is ringing. There's a chord playing. And if you have a hearing loss at certain frequencies, you can't hear any of the overtones. All I heard was one tone. The, the mathematical ingenuity of music is, it has to be God. So all this to start out and say, what do the Psalms have to do with the kingdom of God? This old covenant artistical view of God. Today, we want to look at just a part of this. We want to look at our God and know our king 
as the consummate shepherd. This is one of the views of God. It's a great view of God when you look closely at the kind of shepherd our God is. He reveals himself as shepherd. So he must want us to know and relate to him as a shepherd. Sometimes we concentrate on the sheep, that's us. How dumb sheep are. How ornery they can be. How stubborn, etc., etc. But I don't want to look at that view today. We want to look at the shepherd, not the sheep. Concentrate and focus on the shepherd. The shepherd king. Our king, who is the consummate shepherd. Boy, the Israelites had a lot better insight into this than we do. Because shepherding was a part of their culture. Whenever anybody talked about sheep and flocks and shepherds, people automatically knew what they were talking about. And many, many people could be intimately aware of this because it was their life. So what we need to do then, if we're looking at Psalms, and we want to get insight into God, we've got to look at the Psalms where it talks about shepherding. So we'll be focusing on Psalms today, but I want you to know this. If you find something in one place in the Bible, you better look at it. If you find it in two places, you better look a little closer. Three, four, five, you better know it really well. Because God as shepherd is found in the Pentateuch. That's the first five books in the Bible. It's found in the wisdom books, Psalms. It's found in the prophets. It's found in the gospels. It's found in the epistles. It's found in Revelation. It's all throughout the Bible. This is something God wants us to concentrate on, to know intimately. He wants us to know Him in this particular way very closely. Last week we mentioned that King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. Gee, I wonder if that was an accident. David is a type of Jesus... Jesus is revealed in Scripture through David because David has the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. Jesus influenced all of David's life, including his writing of the Psalms. But the writing of the Psalms came from his experiences in life, and one of those experiences intimately was as a shepherd boy. So we look at the kind of shepherd David was. We will be looking at the kind of shepherd Jesus is. Because David had Jesus' heart. I'm talking about when David was a boy out in the fields. Psalm 78. Now this psalm was not written by David. It was written by the guy he appointed, Asaph. Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72. The Lord chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, 
from following the ewes that had young he had brought him. To shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. Verse 72. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Remember, we're trying to get an insight, a revelation of who our king shepherd is. What does this psalm say? He shepherds them according to the integrity of his heart. This shepherd, the word integrity means complete, nothing lacking, innocent. I don't mean the opposite of guilty. Innocent means pure. Pure hearted, simple hearted. There was no guile, no pretense in David. This is the kind of shepherd he was. Guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Skill, intelligence, and wisdom. The word simple didn't mean ignorant. He was a very intelligent person. He had to be to care for these sheep. Skillful in his hands. The word means the palm of the hand. And in the palm of the hand is power. A powerfully intelligent person. Wow. I want that kind of shepherd. Taking care of my sheep. He knows what to do in any given circumstance. Flip back a page in Psalm 78 to verse 52. God made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Guided them like a flock. A flock of sheep needs to be guided, not driven. You drive cattle. You get behind them. You get dogs and horses. And you holler at them. Donkeys, you whip them from the back. You don't drive sheep. You lead them. You go before them. You show them the way and they follow. Sheep are different than a lot of other animals because they will follow. Boy, I'd rather be led than driven. How about you? In Isaiah and Ezekiel, it talks about the shepherd feeding the flock. The word feed means to tend, tender, tend the flock. We don't beat sheep. We tend them. You do rule over sheep. The word also means to rule. But to rule with tenderness. Every one of us have been ruled without tenderness at some point in our lives. That's not the kind of shepherd we're talking about. We're talking about a shepherd who tends, who brings us to safe pasture so that we can feed and graze leisurely. By the way, these are the meaning of the Hebrew words. I'm telling you really what the words mean. 
what God is trying to say to us about his character by the words he uses through the writers. This is what God wants us to know about himself. Psalm 28, 9. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. First of all, save them. Bring them to an open place of freedom and safety. Oh, wouldn't you like to be there? Wouldn't you like to be led to a place of complete freedom and safety? An open place. It's like going through the woods and coming to a field. Oh, wow, look at this. Oh, this is beautiful. I'm going to just sit down for a little while. Relax. Bear them up. Carry them. Lift them. Did you ever see a picture of a shepherd with a, with a little sheep around his neck? The, the legs are sort of hanging down in front. There's different reasons for shepherds doing this. One of the reasons is because the sheep is having trouble walking for the moment or is young. There's another reason too. Uh, I better hold on to you for a while. You need protection from yourself. So you and I are just going to hang out together for a while. This is the easiest way for me to do it. I'm going to keep you with me right here. Bear them up, lift them whenever they need to be lifted. And we got Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. First of all, give ear, listen. Here's the picture. The shepherd is bending over with his hand behind his ear, listening for every single sound of the sheep so he doesn't miss a thing. Broaden the ear. That's what it means. Broaden the ear. The shepherd wants to hear you. Every tiny thing you have to utter. Lead Joseph like a flock. That means transport The shepherd is my transport, my vehicle for getting from here to there. He guides me and brings me to the best possible place where I could be in the best possible way I need to get there. So in a sense, he's my vehicle. Shine forth. Be luminous. Be gloriously luminous so that I can't see anything except you, my shepherd. You are my focus. I can't help it. You're right there whenever I need light. Whenever I need insight. Then, of course, we've got Psalm 23, the great shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. I can't help but I get back into the King James because I must have memorized this when I was a kid when the King James Bible was the only Bible there was. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The great provider shepherd. Lord, with this shepherd, there is no lack whatsoever. Everything I need is provided by the shepherd. No failure in my life. No want in my life. Nothing is lessened in my life that I need. First of all, he's mine. He's my shepherd. And I'm his. All the care, protection, and rest that I need is found in my relationship with that shepherd. And remember, David is just a precursor of Jesus. So we know that Jesus is the same as all of those things we've just talked about. That's Jesus' character. That's the way he's going to care and shepherd. We look over at the gospel messages now, John chapter 10. Red words, Jesus talking about himself. John 10, starting verse 7. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Gives his life for the sheep. Every single thing the shepherd thinks about is for the benefit of the sheep. He's given up his own identity outside of his responsibility to these sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This shepherd wants to increase his flock. Not so he can be the big cheese and have the biggest flock in the world, because he loves the sheep and he wants to care for even more sheep. I found it very interesting here again. It says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. That word know is a very intimate word. Ginny had an experience about shepherds knowing sheep and sheep knowing shepherds. I'd like to have her come and just talk about it for a minute this morning. Is it on? A few years ago, I did a Bible study with a friend, Joyce Jordan, uh, who was a shepherdist. And she did the Bible study on the shepherd looks at Psalm 23. And in the midst of it, she took us to a friend who was actually a shepherd. And he still had sheep. And when we got there, he gave us all a staff. And then we all went out to where the sheep were in their pen. And there were ewes, and there were young lambs also. And he said, now speak softly to the sheep. So we went out with our little staffs, and 
We were all, there were about three of us, um, two women and a man. And so we were speaking to the sheep. And they were like, there was an outside to the pen, and then you go inside. Well, they were crowded in the back as far as they could go, trying to get away from us. They wanted nothing to do with us. It was really amazing. Even though we were cooing to them like a baby. (laughs) And then he went out in the middle of the pasture. And he called to them. And as afraid of us as they were, they like beelined to him. They like beelined to him right past us. And it was the most amazing picture. I mean, he wasn't shouting. It was a very calm, quiet voice. And as soon as they got around him, they were just quiet, content. It was like, it's a picture I will never forget. It was really a blessing. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. Nothing else matters to them. No other voice, no other sound is the same. Skip over to the epistles, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 25. You, church, you, Christian, you were like sheep going astray without a shepherd. Could you imagine sheep who are flocking animals? Without any guide, what it must be like, what helter skelter, confusion. You were like that going astray, but now have returned to the capital S shepherd and capital O overseer of your soul. Jesus the shepherd is your overseer, is our overseer. He's all the things we've talked about, but he's also an authority. How could he be an authority and still be all those other things? Because he's the good shepherd. Can we lay aside our experiences and prejudices about authority? And look at our Jesus as capital S shepherd and capital O overseer at the same time. Can we be that healed? It's possible. It's got to be. Another tougher question. Skip over a couple pages to chapter 5 of 1 Peter. The elders who are among you I exhort. Now he's talking to the leaders of the church. I, who am a fellow elder, Peter says, look, I'm just like the other leaders. I'm talking to leaders because I'm a leader. In fact, he goes on to say, I'm a leader who witnessed the sufferings of Jesus. I touched him. I was there. And I was a partaker of the glory afterwards. So I'm an elder, but I'm an elder who's been with Jesus personally. Listen to me. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Elders, you be the same kind of shepherd and overseer that I am. 
And I, Peter talking, am the same kind of shepherd and overseer that Jesus is. Not by constraint or compulsion. I'm compelled to do it. No. But willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords or masters over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Elders, I am so blessed and honored to be in the eldership group of this church. These guys do not lead through compulsion or dishonest gain. They have no desire of any gain at all except the gain of Jesus. One of the greatest statements is made after almost every elders meeting at my house. My wife says, gee, I heard a lot of laughter out there. We have a good time together because it's always good to do what Jesus wants you to do. It's not easy, but it's, there's fun in it. Why? Verse 4. When the chief shepherd, the capital C, capital S, chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Look, we don't care about anything except pleasing the Lord. And if you ever see anything different in your elders, you better get in touch with somebody. So here's a question for you. Oh, I could trust Jesus to be my shepherd. Can you trust your elders to be shepherds, under shepherds in Jesus' stead, in his place right in front of you? <laughs> Even with the experiences that I look around this room, most of us have had. It's in the Bible. It must be possible. Our goal at Bridge Builders Church, take what's in the Bible and not just make it possible because it's in there, but to live it so we see it. That's our goal. Then I just skipped quickly over to Revelation because I told you before, if it's in Revelation also, you better really listen. Revelation 7.17 For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. Who is the shepherd? The Lamb, Jesus. Are we ready to believe that we actually have a shepherd like that? Remember, the word believe has to be lived out in order for it to be true. We can't say I believe and not live it out, because then we really don't believe. That's unbelief, fueled by worry and fear. We've all got reason to be worried and fearful, but we're willing to give that up because we know what the Bible says and what God has for us. To have a shepherd over us with the character of God. Someone we can trust in totally, 100% of the time. To always be true to himself. Always care for us. Always have us at the forefront of his mind and have our best interests at his heart. And I'm not going to say any more... I'm waiting for the day for that to happen. Because that's unbelief right there. I'm not waiting for it to happen. It's here right now. Embrace it, Tim. It's here. Michael Kimball. 
What can you ask or imagine? You just read the scripture. It's more that you could ask or imagine. The kind of shepherd you can't even dream about. Something we may not have experienced all of this shepherding that we're going to. But it's there. And I want to. It's here right now. The bottom of your notes there it says, Psalm 23 is a song about David's yearning for the house of God where his father lives. David longs to be home in the immediate presence of dad. He's caring for dad's sheep. He has the heart of his dad. Same as Jesus. I got a book for you. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23. W. Philip Keller was a shepherd. He's also a godly man. He goes through Psalm 23 verse by verse. And he relates how this psalm really explains two things. How a real shepherd shepherds sheep. And how God shepherds us the same way. It's a great little book. It'll give you some real insight into how God takes care of you. Thank you, Father. You've provided everything for us. A good shepherd. A shepherd that provides everything we need for our comfort, for our salvation, for our rest, for our provision, everything. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we're ready to become totally sold out to our Good Shepherd. Totally believing in the truth about who you really are, Lord Jesus. And how much you love us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We are content to be sheep in your flock. There is no better place to be. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, send us on our way with just a peace, a relaxing comfort and contentment that we may have never felt before as we quietly give ourselves to the Good Shepherd. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you total peace and rest. In Jesus' name, amen.